When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbid DeVoe. This is Julie Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India Ari. Oh, much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. Cafe Mocha this weekend. We're talking to Stephen Love. He is one of the producers of They Clone Tyrone. He gives us inside details. Plus, are you at an HBCU and trying to get your film looked at? Stephen Love and Cafe Mocha are a part of HBCU First Look Film Festival. More details coming up. Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo Yo. Lonnie's got a new movie. Are we allowed to talk about it? Because, you know, technically, actors are on strike. Um, You know what? Oh, know, First right? of all, the movie has already premiered, so I could talk about it. Uh, and it is a my first lead. And I want to explain to the listeners how important that is, okay? The name of the movie is called Binge to Death. It's a Halloween movie, Binge to Death, where I play a wealthy woman who's a bit of a mess. Sort of like Angelique. But, <laughs> <laughs> wealth. but um, it was produced by Will Packer's production company. Um, and, um, you know, the, the testament to that is that when I was shooting the reel, the last, very last day of the very last episode, my agent called me and he says, we got an offer from Will Packer um, for this movie. It's, it's kind of different. And I said, well, let me look at it. And it was a lead role and it was such a fun role and it was something that was so different. And that's why I tell people it took me 15 years. I've always done movies, even while I was doing the real, but I never was a lead. And so um, and when you think about especially comedy movies, you don't have a lot of females um, that have been leads. I mean, you can't count Medea. You know, it's just was there any fear in being a was there any fear of being the lead? Like what was different for being the lead? Like people don't understand that pressure. What was okay. the difference? First of all, when you're the lead, you have all you have to basically carry the movie because you're gonna have all of the parts. So like with this particular movie, um, this particular character, her name is, is Kristen. You know, she needs to go from where you think she's okay till she goes crazy. And, you know, it takes it's a lot of words. It's a lot of dialogue. You have to know it all. When you're number one on a call sheet, you kind of set the tone for the rest of the shoot. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're late, everybody else is going to be late. So, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's a responsibility, you know, th- while you're shooting it and also making sure that you're carrying the character correctly. So I, I'm trying to think, you know, back in the eighties, we had Whoopi when it came to comedy, you know, um, you had maybe uh, Jada Pickett Smith and Woo, you know, you've had, I mean, that is the, is that, it, it's just not that many like 
singular black females that have led comedies. You had Girls Trip, which had four leads. Um, so, but for this, that was so rare. It's so rare. So rare. Like bride, you know what I'm saying? It was so rare to see that sort of thing. You see it on TV now a lot, but not mm-hmm. in movies. It's still a man's world. It's very much so. So it's called Binge to Death. I want to thank Will Packer and Will Packer Productions, MTV, um, for uh, for doing it. It also stars Carl Payne, you know, Cole from Martin. Hey. Uh, Quincy Brown uh, and and a slew of young, uh, hot young actors and actresses. So that was all that was fun. But uh, I'm really proud of it. And even in this um, environment, like you said, uh, Angelique, of, you know, the Hollywood being shut down, it's important to push what we can push and promote what we can promote, especially being people of color. So, you know, um, I just want everybody to try to check it out. And there are a slew of other Halloween movies that are out. So, you know, um, support, especially if they're people of color, support those movies because, um, you know, it, it really does matter. So now where's this, where's this airing? It's on MTV, but it'll be, uh, on Paramount plus as well. I'm pretty sure. And, um, you know, you'll see my face. My face is on the front. I was, I was, I was just so excited. <laughs> so excited for you. And yeah, I'm yeah. glad Will Packer came through. You don't understand when Lonnie uh, goes to some of these events, she'll just be like, come in. When are you going to put me in a movie, Mr. Perry? <laughs> going to put me in a movie, Better, Mr. That's Packer. Right. Right. It finally paid off. It see? finally paid off. You putting up the bur- birthday post and <laughs> It finally paid off. So, yeah, but definitely it's the holiday season beginning with Halloween and then we'll be moving on to other things. So uh, binge to death. Check it out if you can on Paramount Plus. Yes. If you're an aspiring filmmaker in the D.C. area, you have to check out Cafe Mocha's HBCU First Look Film Festival. It's the first one ever, November 10th through 12th. Get more information by going to hbcufirstlook.com. That's hbcufirstlook.com. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo on the line. I believe it's the first time ever. Have we had you on before, Mesa? <laughs> no. <I don't> remember. <laughs> well, welcome no. to Cafe no. Mocha. Thank you, honey. I, did, I got an award from Cafe Mocha years ago, but um, I, I don't That's think I've right. that. I can remember that. <laughs> you sure did. And you're best friends with our friend of the show, April Ryan. Um, oh, right. You guys went to uh, Morgan State together. So welcome. Welcome mm-hmm. back to the show. You, you have a new that. album called Music for Your Souls. Tell us mm-hmm. about this new album. What can we expect? Wow. This album is a labor of love in my life. I finally uh, decided to run my own record company and put all my music on my own label. This is my 14th solo album. And uh, it's a 19-song long-playing record like the old days. Double album. Double album. Uh oh. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of my uh, colleagues were saying not to put out, uh, they told me not to do that, just put out EPs. But I'm not into EPs. I want something that's long lasting. You can clean your house, you can drive long distances, you can just zone out for a long time. You know, it's it's only an hour and a half, but it's such, it's full of great, really great songs and, 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 uh, 
it, it's my love letter to everybody. Oh, wow. out here an hour and a half, you you don't get to the freeway out here <laughs> right? in traffic. Where you from? Where you from, Mesa? I'm from Baltimore. Okay, right. That's where you know April from, right? You guys are home. Right, absolutely. I want to know, because explain to the listeners the importance of having your own record label versus being signed to another, like to a, a Atlantic Records or something like that. Well, uh, owning the record label means that all the money goes to my account, period. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it really means. That it's, it's basically <laughs> that to have the ownership of all of my music. That means that, if, so for instance, if my music goes to a, if somebody gets a, wants to sort of sync it for a movie, um, you know, I get I get the rights to I get I have the right to you know to put in the movie or not or how much I can charge all these different things. So it's like instead of getting something trickled down to me like a little bit of a royalty from you know them owning my music, I get I own it all, and so I get all the royalties and all the perks of of ownership. So you have to, but you cover the cost of like the initials, the studio, all right. recording. Okay. Oh yeah, I, I cover it. everything. So I have to pay everything. So that so the investment in myself, which I was doing anyway, I was doing a lot of investing in myself. But I didn't think that the needle was moving in my career too much, and and I and I just wanted to. I figured if they weren't gonna you know do anything like any publicity or marketing or anything, I might as well own the music. Why would I just let them do that and not own it too? So I thought I should do the best I can on my own and uh, get it as far as I, as far as I can. But you know, we'll see. I'm I'm excited about it. I think that I've worked out in the last 32 years of being in the industry that I've developed a, a pretty good reputation. And I think um, the people who have been listening to my music will support this record. This is your first album solo with your own label. With my own label. Yeah, I've done I've done 13 albums with uh, as an independent artist with other labels. Uh, but this is my first one uh, on my own label, my first full album, I should say. Did you find it difficult to reach out and get the support that you needed from the relationships with building your first label? Um, or was there's it a some smooth? that have been a little difficult. Is it some that, you know, a lot of people, um, I don't know. I, I think they already want you to be uh, at a certain level before they want to help you. You know what I'm saying? It's, I've, I've noticed that in people. I've noticed that people have always, you know, I don't know. I think it's it's all it's a lot has to do with money to be honest with you. Whatever I can put up, you need to put up or shut up in this business, really. So, you know, that's a that's a big deal. But even with relationships of people I've had, it seems to be a little bit difficult to get things going in that area too. But I've just I wanna keep going. And my mother told me when I was a little girl, she said, Mesa, keep going till you go till you get where you wanna go. And that's and I've been living that my whole life. So I'm gonna keep pushing. You know, you started out um uh Stevie Wonder uh, you were singing yeah. back up with him. Tell us about yeah. that. How how did that come to be? <laughs> well, I was at Morgan State University my last year, and Stevie would come every year to do a Martin Luther King celebration with the Morgan State University Choir. And one of my best friends, Kim Brewer, was already singing with him. She had gone to California a year prior, and she was already singing in Wonder Love. And she asked him, um, when I graduate, could I please come out, you know, come out to California with him and, and sing, you know, in Wonder Love. And uh, so they auditioned me, like, right after the, that concert we had. And I passed the audition, but I asked Steve, I said, Steve, I got just one year left. I want to hand my parents my degree, and then I'll come out there and start living what I want to do. <laughs> and so that's what I did. And a year later, as soon as I graduated, I literally called the day I graduated and said, look, I'm ready. And, um, and, and then, so that's why, um, that's why he, he uh, they told me to come on out there. And I uh, 
sang background on my first professional gig was singing background on these three words on the Jungle Fever project. Okay. Oh, yeah, I as I sang song. several other songs on that album. Yeah, oh yeah. And so it's so ironic that um, the first single that I released from my new album, uh, I released it last year on Valentine's Day, a double single called uh, "Make Sure You're Sure," which is from that soundtrack. I uh, remade that, and then I did an R&B song called "Just Stay." So, and it did doing very well. All my singles are. Well, did you learn anything in that process uh, with Stevie recording with him? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I was a nervous record. You know, you come out to California and, you know, you don't know uh, anyone except I had one person out there. And, and so, and being in Wonderlove, you know, there's, there's seasoned veterans, you know, and they, who's this newbie kind of coming in? So I had to learn how to deal with that and deal with um. But it was such a great time. We did all this. We would tour with Spike Lee to do all the TV shows. Uh, to promote the music and the and the movie, so I had the best time with that. And that was that was short lived. It was only uh, about six seven months, and then Stevie went on a big Brazilian tour where he took all the older older singers. And so I had to get a job. I had to get several jobs to survive out in L.A. And that's how I um, met a producer uh, named Stephen Harvey, who's a drummer from Scotland, and he happened to be best friends with Bluey, the lead uh, producer and writer for Incognito. And so uh, he told, he called me one day. Said, "Mesa, I I got a gig for you. It's in England, though. Would you like to try it out for it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely. I just didn't want to go back home. I I felt like I was, you know, have failed if I had gone back home. So uh, I, Louie called me one day. I was I got off work early, and uh, Louie called me one day, and he said, um, we talked about music and everything, and and I sang a little bit to him on the, on the phone. And the next day, his manager said, we don't I don't know what you sang to Bluey, but you got the gig. We're gonna fly you to, to England." So two weeks later, they flew me to uh, London, and I, uh, I, I I stayed up there for four and a half years, and I recorded uh, uh, Tribes, Vibes, and Scribes, and uh, the album Positivity that has Deep Waters on it. Mm-hmm. That really started my whole career. And uh, and then the, the way I got my solo deal is that I, I was with Incognito at the North Sea Jazz Festival. The show was over, and this man walked to me up to me, and he said, Mason, would you like to start your solo career? His name is Carl Griffin from GRP mm-hmm. Records. So... That's how I got my first solo record deal. Wow. It's Cafe Mocha mm-hmm. on the line. We're talking to the wonderful singer Mesa. Her new album, Music for Your Soul, is out. The latest single is I Don't Mind. What you don't mind, Mesa? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this song is so cool. It's, it's about, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a fantasy song for me right now. It's about meeting the love of your life finally after waiting a long time. And uh, even though he's a bit unconventional, you still, it's, it's, the love is unconditional. And that's what the song is about. Hmm. Now, do you write your own songs? <laughs> I do. I did. I, did. I wrote a little bit of this one, but mostly Bluey from Incognito wrote it. My music director wrote this one. But I've written a lot of my songs over my career. I mean, a lot. My discography is, is extensive of this last 32 years. Um, and uh, a lot of people tease me saying, well, who would you do a versus with? And I'm like, I, my, my catalog is so crazy. You know, and I might not be out there like a lot of uh, other artists, but still got the catalog, the catalog. 32 years, how have you kept yourself out here in this industry? Just just by working hard. I haven't had to do anything else. I keep trying to tell these young kids, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to compromise your morals, not one day. You don't have to do anything, but work hard, be professional, uh, be yourself, hone your craft, get some good, uh, uh, somebody to back you up, a good attorney. And, and, and enroll and, and do social media because social media is just like, you know, it's just a big thing right now. So, you know, do as much social media as you can. And, and you know, that's the way I, I mean, that's where I've survived all this time 
Uh, it's just by working hard. Yeah, but they want to be overnight celebrities. They want to. Right, they wanna, right. They and ain't trying to work like hard a, and learn right. their craft. Get out of here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> right, I understand that, but that's the way you get the longevity. I prayed for longevity when I was a 12 year old kid on my parents' basement floor with headphones, listening to albums. Like, God, how am I going? I want to get to the place where my name is in life. It's, so, it's ironic that last night I was at Soundboard and at Motor City casino last night in Detroit and mm-hmm. um I see that we Lonnie we we up our pictures are right next to each other on the on the big board there big oh ball. wow that's uh, next great. Day, yeah that's so funny and then then I walk downstairs to get ready to leave to go um back to my room and they have a huge billboard with my face on it and I literally cried it's like like wow this is like it still blows my mind that people are coming out to pay and paying money for me to sing and to hear me sing and and buying my records and buying my T-shirts and, and just, you know, coming on my Mesa's Kitchen karaoke on Sunday nights. And, they, you know, and, and, you know, it's just an amazing thing. Well, you know, you um, are so deserving of it, Mesa. And um, yeah. before we let you go, you have to tell us the story about the birth of your son, Jazz, oh, wow. who is an yeah. adult now. But but yeah. I just want people to know what you go through as a as a <laughs> artist. <laughs> Right. So that drama, I mean, I've had many dramas on the road, but the, the main one was when I was on tour with Incognito. Um, we had a, a world tour. I went over for rehearsals, and my son's father, the man that Deep Waters is about, uh, acted like I was the last woman on the face of the earth. Like he was, he was so in love with me, so we, I kind of rekindled our relationship, and um, and I became pregnant. And so I, the whole tour, I was literally sick, the whole tour. Every every city we went to, I had to rush, they rushed me to the hospital. That something was going on with, with jazz. And um, we finally, they, they cleared me to do one more tour, and that was in Japan. We had Fukuoka, Osaka, and Tokyo. And everything was fine the first week, but then we got to Osaka, and the third day in, um, my water started breaking, like in the small increments. It wasn't like the, on the big dramatic thing like they do on TV, but all in real life. But it was just like a little bit at a time. So I kept taking Tylenol and taking hot baths every night, thinking that just the pain would go away. I didn't realize I was in labor. Because I just wasn't no. home, you know. I wasn't home, and so I, I was like, it's this, I can't be having my baby in Japan. It's not going to happen. So I just kept trying to deal with it. I knew that if I got to Tokyo, where they speak more English, I thought I could be able to better communicate. And um, so I was trying to get to Tokyo. But the morning we were leaving, uh, Bluey looked in my face. He said, I'm going to call an ambulance. You don't look so good. And so they did, and my son was born that night, two pounds, uh, and at 25 weeks. And so it was it – was, uh, it was an experience that was beautiful and horrible all at the same time. But it was, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting, hey, but <clears throat> good and bad at the same time. I can imagine that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was crazy. And, um, so we, you know, we, we got through that. My son is, uh, they, you know, they tried to tell me that things were going to be wrong with my son and he wasn't going to speak or, or eat on his own or walk or, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, Oh no, he's fine. And I called his, his godfather, and I said, I said they're telling me all these things. He said, tell those people that jazz is fine. And I kept, so I, when I went to these meetings with them, I kept saying, jazz is fine. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. My son is fine. And so they were looking at me like, okay, she's having a nervous breakdown. Let's just let her go home. So it was interesting. I had to go to Baltimore and leave him there until he gained enough weight to get on the airplane. Mm. I couldn't afford to stay in, in, in Japan. So it was, that was probably the most devastating part of it. I, I had to leave my baby in a foreign country. And so and I was so far away, you know, and it, it was devastating to me. And I, 
you know, I, I had to keep faith going and I had to, you know, I didn't want to question God, but I was just wondering, like, why would you do this? Like, why did, why did this happen? But in the, in the outcome of it all, and my son is healthy and strong and a college graduate and a photographer and a videographer and one of the most beautiful human beings on the face of this earth. So I'm very grateful. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. Who who watched him? Like the 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 hospital would just communicate. Yeah, with oh yes, yeah, yeah, Philly. Yeah, I did. I called the hospital. My, my my phone bill back in the in 1999 was that phone bill for the two and a half months he was there was over for four or five thousand dollars. But I kept, I called literally every day. I talked to the doctors every day, and I was just you know I kept like saying, "Can you put the phone next to him?" They they said, "We don't have a phone to go to the bathroom." No, no, that the NICU. But I just wanted to hear. Breathing, I want like I was just so difficult to be away from. It was it was crazy, but yeah, because um, back I then we didn't have back. cell phones, right? It right, was, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we didn't have cell yeah, phones. New technology. Mm-hmm. Wow, uh-huh. we didn't even have FaceTime. We didn't have none of no, that. No, no FaceTime then. at all. You know, wow. That was so you know, when I had to work, that was one of the most beautiful things. My mom, my 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 mom, she really was an angel walking the earth. She really she took care of my son, helped raise my son, and. When I was on the road, when FaceTime was developed, we, that was a way for me to communicate and help even raise my son from the road. You know, I, had to, you know, I was able to talk to him, you know, and, uh, you know, reprimand him when I needed to. It was all that. We, we had that, you know. And so, and that's how we spend time together, too. It's wow. amazing. The album is called Music for Your Soul. How can we keep yes. in touch with you, Mesa, on your socials? Um, Mesa.com and then all my socials are linked below uh, if you scroll down a little bit all my socials the page to my Facebook page every, my official stuff all my official stuff is on that on that page so Mesa.com will have all my information about the album and pre-sales and all that kind of stuff soon, coming up soon thank well, you for thank stopping you. by no, thank y'all so much for having me. I appreciate this so much. Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie, Love, and Yo-Yo. Our guest is Stephen Love, the producer of They Clone Tyrone. More to come on Cafe Mocha. We're at Cafe Mocha Radio. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. 
With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha Radio from a woman's perspective on the line. He's the producer behind They Clone Tyrone. Plus, he's got an event helping entrepreneurs find investors and vice versa. Joining us, Stephen Love. Welcome to Cafe Mocha. Thank you for having me. You know, how now I just love the movie They Clone Tyrone. It was inventive. It was it was futuristic. I just loved it. How did they come up with the idea of that movie? Yeah, uh, that was straight from the brain of of uh, our director Joel Taylor, his co-writer uh, Tony Rettenmeyer. Uh, it was really really kind of spawned from Joel's upbringing in uh, Alabama. Um, he had a, a friend who who was sort of like superstar football player, et cetera. Went to went to D one college and then uh, was on his way home from practice, and his teammate had a, had a weapon under the under the seat that he didn't know about. Uh, but of course. As it goes, sometimes in, the, in those programs, uh, you know, they, they send them home with no scholarship, et cetera. And, and so, it was sort of a time of time when time, a period when uh, YouTube conspiracy theories were really popping off, you know. And uh-huh. so, on top of his depression, he also sort of fell into that rabbit hole of conspiracies, and all that wrapped together sort of led led Joel to this place, like really, you know, concerned about his friend, but also like, man, it's been five years that that happened, like. Come on, like it's together, you know. But 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 at the same time, feeling guilty about that because he know that his friend also grew up a certain way and and always had challenges because of that. And so um, this movie is really just Joel sort of unpacking his own emotions and feelings and, and crazy thoughts about what his friend must have went through. Wow, that's that's wonderful, you know, because it's like you know, it's nice to see um, this whole slew of black futuristic stories. Do you think that they would have existed without the streaming services? Uh, I think I think so. I mean, I think it you know could have done very well in theaters too. We actually had a short theatrical run before before it hit Netflix. But honestly, I think Netflix is the only place that really could have supported that film in the way that they did uh, and allowed Joel to to really flex his, his muscle as a as an auteur filmmaker and create the story we wanted to tell and not try to water it down and let us, you know, just, just let us really explore the societal ills we wanted to explore, but have a lot of fun with it. You know, you can't make a movie with David Fox and Tiana and, and Boyega and the whole team and David Allegra. You can't really do a movie with those <laughs> those folks and not have a ton of fun too. So 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 they kinda of allowed us to play across the genre lines in that way. And you even got uh, Erica Badu to make a parody of her own song. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, fun, fun, I mean, Eric, first of all, Badu obviously a legend, but she's also cool as hell, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, she, fun fact, she was actually in my very first movie that I ever produced called The Land back in the day, and uh, she acted in it and did music for it alongside Nas. And so, uh, you know, when this came up. I just reached out to her. It was like, is there, you know, I was just obviously asking for the song itself, like the OG song, and uh, and she was like, "Y'all want me to do nothing to it?" 
It was like, well, if you want to, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, so, so she uh, she blessed us one time for sure, which is dope. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Producer, director, Stephen Love of They Clone Tyrone and also Invest Fest. We're having a wonderful conversation with him. Before we move on, Stephen, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? I'm Stephen Love. My nickname is Dr. Love. Kind of been there for a long time. <laughs> but I, I'm a storyteller, first and foremost, uh, across film, TV, and commercials, branded content, anything, honestly, that has a story behind it uh, that is that is what I call sugar with the medicine. Uh, that is, that's usually where I, where I sit. Uh, but, but yeah, we produced a movie called They Clone Tyrone. It just came out this summer, and we got a couple other movies coming soon. You know, the industry has been changing so much from where we started to where we are now. I'm wondering, how did you find the power to talk about racism and justice, you know, that Black people's face in and, and, and a movie? What gave you the courage? Honestly, I think I, uh, I, I, get, I get courage from, from the shoulders I stand on, really, uh, whether it be my own family lineage and, and a lot of bold people that came before me uh, from, the, you know, my southern country roots of South Carolina or people that I also also stand on the shoulders of that are in the industry, right? Like the Spike Lee's of the world, et cetera, who, who were unabashed and wanted to tell our stories and and be bold with the way they predicted our, uh, with the way that they portrayed our uh, issues, et cetera but did it in a way that was still accessible and fun and entertaining, you know? And so that's, that's really where the courage came from that. And I don't know no better than, than to try it. So, 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 so yeah. for us, uh, you know, they call Tyrone is one of several where, where we're, you know, aiming to explore societal ill or, or, uh, or, you know, it's a life lesson, but heavily drape it in entertainment. Uh, that's kind of our whole mandate at the company. Have you a ever whole had any of those life lessons? A, a, a whole bunch of a whole bunch. Of, we probably don't have time to go through all of them. But the biggest one I've learned, the, the biggest lesson I've learned, not just in the industry but just in life, mm-hmm. uh, is that you have everything you need. You know, because I think a lot of times we, no matter what we're pursuing, no matter what industry we're, we're pursuing, or dream we're chasing, we feel like that dream is so far fetched that we don't have the steps, or we don't have the resources, or we don't know the right people, et cetera. And it's not to say those things might not be true, but at the same time, you have everything you need to start. And so that that gives me a lot of a lot of hope and, and faith too. Happy Mocha on the line, Stephen Young, for the producer from They Clone Tyrone. Now I'm really excited, Stephen, because Cafe Mocha is producing his first ever HBCU First Look Film Festival, which will be November the 10th through the 12th, and you're part of our group. Um, I watched all 125 movies. Have were you able to look at any of the movies? I'm I'm in the process right now, actually. Um, it's it's coming up quick. Yeah, it's um some interesting, you know, things, and and it's just nice to see that the, the students, you know, they have such a creative process. Um, mm-hmm. How beneficial are film festivals, especially to HBCUs in the Black community? Film festivals are honestly essential. To, to getting your work out there, especially if you're a director. Um, I'm, I solely produce, but but my, I've also benefited from from having films in festivals, especially short films. Early on, that's, it's not just about getting your work seen. It's also about being invited to these festivals and these spaces to meet other like-minded creatives. 
I mean, of course, you're going to meet a bunch of people who are already in the industry, and that's amazing because you're aspiring to do those things. But what's even more important uh, in, my, in my career has been connecting with people to my left and my right who were there with their own films, you know, and now we're all kind of climbing in the industry together. So it's really special the work y'all are doing. Cafe Mocha on the line, producer Steven Love. They cloned Tyrone. We all saw it. Let's talk about, you know, Tabitha and just her phenomenal success. Uh, how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> in, in short, Tabitha's success happened because of the good Lord. <laughs> yes. I mean, she, she, uh, she, you know, Tabitha's been a friend for a long time. And we actually met, talking about film festivals, we met at Sundance Film Festival in 2016, I believe, uh, which is when my first film was there. And, and I met her as an actress, you know, and fast forward a couple years later, I think it was into 2017, she uh, she was just on Facebook Live. She had gone vegan after having some health challenges and cut all her hair off. And where we from in the country of the Carolinas, you went to L.A. and lost your mind, you know? So, <laughs> so she was, on, she was on, on Facebook Live just doing cooking videos and, trying to, you know, uh, show her family, hey, I'm here and I'm, you know, just trying something new. And it'd be like a hundred people in the room, maybe, you know, family and friends back home. And I, but what I saw in that video was just something really, really different. She, she, you know, all 100 people were really engaged. Everybody is laughing because she's telling jokes, but she's also almost doing ministry, it seems like, you know, and just, making people feel good. And, and, I, and I DM'd her, like, yo, I think you got something special where we should build a TV show around it. But to be clear, I've never made a TV show. And I, you know, at that point, I hadn't at least. And so fast forward to the following year, uh, she made me her manager. Uh, that's a whole long story. But I, I'm, I'm a producer, like I told y'all, right? I have no interest in management. But she, she said, well, the Lord told me that uh, since you're smart and you know how these deals work, I'm going to just pay you this 10%. You my manager now. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and, you know, cut to over the next 18, 18 to 24 months, uh, I closed 56 deals for her under wow. Brandon's face. We did, a, you know, she, you know, she did very well, et cetera. And then, uh, uh, you know, I helped her get set up with a real manager and agency and all that good stuff. And then, uh, and then she called me about, you know, I don't know, eight months ago, earlier this year, she called me and said, hey, I think I want to do something different. Uh, so I'm going to make, take some meetings. I said, well, you could go to a traditional sort of management company or you could just build it in-house. And here's sort of how I think you can do that. And after I walked through the business model, she said, okay, I think I understand that. You kind of spoke English. <laughs> um, can you can you come run it? And I said, well, I can't run it for you. I got my own company going. Like, But what if we just do a partnership? And so um, that's where we are now. My company, Make With Love Media, has a partnership with Tabitha and her entity, uh, Do You Believe Enterprises and entertainment and the idea is that you know um the things that a manager would do obviously I'm doing some of those things for negotiating deals but but beyond that i'm really here to help further build out her media company uh and and you know it's using my infrastructure to build out more movies and television etc and and just really you know expand her her voice beyond beyond where it is now um so yeah, really, really excited about that. That's my sister for sure. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the espresso. I'm Angelique. Coming soon to Cafe Mocha, Yo-Yo spills the tea on Tupac and Jada. Pac called me that night. Jada and I spoke to Pac from the jailhouse that night. 
Pac wanted me to know that. He told Jada he wanted me to be the first to know he had asked Jada to marry him. Plus, Cedric the Entertainer has a new book and a barbecue sauce. Throw some meat on the grill. You tell everybody I'm grilling today. Somebody come through with the potato salad. Somebody show up with the mac and cheese and, you know, some drinks. And next thing you know, we got a little party. And in theaters this weekend, the psychological thriller Soulmates, where two strangers are locked in a room and forced to work together to survive. Hello, Lonely Hearts. You can call me the matchmaker. Sign up for Soulmates before the walls of loneliness close in on you. Soulmate stars Nigerian-American actress Annie Alonza. It's in theaters now. That's The Espresso. You know what I want to say real quick? I, I just hear the energy behind everything you're saying. What made you so fearless? I just hear that like you're just moving forward, not really knowing, able to pass the baton when you're not able to, you know, handle a certain situation. What made you so fearless? Honestly, the reason I'm fearless is because uh, God just kind of made me this way. And I think if you ask my mom and dad, uh, my mom's a, a preschool teacher and my dad's a, a country preacher, you know, and so in South Carolina. And so um, I've never known what the word no meant, for, for better or worse. <laughs> I was willing to chase a dream, you know, no matter what, um, at every age. You know, I've been I've been an entrepreneur since I was three years old. I was selling pizzas at three years old with my granddad, you know. And so ever since then, I've always had some kind of business venture. At You know, middle school, I started my first videography production company. Like, I've never had fear in that way. But I know that that's, that's completely God-ordained, to be honest. There's no way that there's no other way to explain it. Uh, it doesn't make sense to grow up across from a cotton field and go to high school across from a cotton field and go to a church that's across from a cotton field. And, and scream out to everybody, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a movie producer. I'm going to Hollywood when I leave here. That don't mm-hmm. make sense. Right. You know, but I, but it's just, it's just something that my parents really instilled in me, too, was, was that I could be anything I wanted to be. And I, I, as long as I worked hard and, and I believed it, you know. And so, uh, you know, that and then I'm a Scorpio and I'm really hard-headed about just about anything. <laughs> So, that, on, that says Scorpio. it all. Come on, come on, Scorpio. <laughs> that says it all, Scorpio. That's all, okay. In game. Yeah. <laughs> Thank on, you so much, Stephen Love. Uh, we can't wait to have you on the panel. Uh, you're giving a master class for our HBCU First Look yeah. Film Festival, yes. November 10th through the 12th. Also, check out his Invest Fest. And, you know, if you haven't seen They Clone Tyrone, you've got to check it out. Yeah. Thank you for stepping into Cafe Mocha with us today, Stephen Love. I can't wait to meet you in D.C. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Nice talking right. to you. Just want to remind you, the HBCU First Look Film Festival is coming up November 10th through 12th at Howard University. Our guest today, producer Stephen Love, will be hosting a master class Ruthie Carter, the costume designer, will be there. Kathy Hughes, Terry J. Vaughn. Make sure you come out and join us. If you want more information, just go to hbcufirstlook.com. Until next weekend, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Super Radio. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit cafemocharadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network 
an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.